Hey everyone, this is M Black Writes, a podcast for people who love stories, and I'm your host, M Black. Welcome to the very first episode of M Black Writes. I'm your host, M Black. It's probably just like two people and my mom listening, <laughs> but thank you for being here, whoever you are. I am feeling very awkward. I'm really putting myself out there. I've never done anything like this before. So just thanks for being here and taking the time to listen. So here's how this podcast is going to work. I think I'm going to do it about once a month. That's what I'm going to commit to right now because this first one took me forever to make and record and I'm just doing it in the little bits of spare time that I have when my kid is napping. So it takes me a long time. So I think right now I'm going to commit to about once a month for the podcast. Maybe if I get better at it and quicker in the future, I might do it more often. But now I'm going to say it's going to be once a month. And how it will work is on Instagram, I'm going to ask a question. So for this first episode, I had asked a question a while ago asking for cringy stories about when you had crushes or boyfriends in elementary, middle, or high school. And the title of this podcast is going to be Young Love Bloopers, just funny things that happened with our young love. Um, So I'll ask the question just like I did, and then people will give me responses. And from those responses, I'll take ideas from them, and I'm going to write them into short stories and then record the stories audiobook style here on the podcast. I love audiobooks. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big audiobook fan. I have an Audible account. I listen to audiobooks all the time. So I thought it would be really fun to record the stories, record the stories, sorry, my voice, record the stories audiobook style. Um, There will be some talking throughout and eventually maybe I'll have some guests on or something like that. I don't know. I'm just going to kind of keep it up in the air. I don't really know what this is going to turn into. It might be different in the future, but for right now, this is what it is. So you might be thinking, who does this girl think she is? (laughs) What is she doing? Why is she making this podcast? So I'm going to give you, it's going to be like a long introduction into why I'm doing this. So if you don't want to listen to this part, that's cool. You can skip forward to the stories if you want to. But if you're just kind of wondering like, why the heck is she doing this? You can listen to this part so you can kind of understand what led me to make this podcast. Ever since I can remember, I have wanted to be an author. You know, when they ask in school, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say author. And the other kids would be like, "Mm, okay, I'm going to be in the NFL, but whatever. (laughs) But I would always say author. And I also remember, this is kind of like, it doesn't really matter, but I just think this is a funny story, so I wanted to tell you. I also remember in middle school, one of my best friends, there was like an assignment where they asked us this, what do you want to be when you grow up? And one of my best friends said that she wanted to be a chiropractor. (laughs) I said I wanted to be an author and she said she wanted to be a chiropractor and I'm in no way making a dig at chiropractors. I think it is a great profession, but I just think it's so funny that in sixth grade, this girl was so level-headed and like responsible and had her life planned out. She was like, chiropractor, that's what I'm going to be. And if you're listening and you know who it is, you know that I'm talking about you. I'm definitely not making fun of you either. I just think that's so cute and funny that you said chiropractor as a middle school girl. (laughs) Anyways, so I was always writing. I journaled a lot. Uh, When I was younger, I would make like little picture books out of my stories. And then eventually as I got older, I started typing them up into extremely 
cheesy chapter books on my family's like old clunky desktop computer and I was like drawing little illustrations to go with them (laughs) guys they were so bad like the whole thing the writing the pictures everything they were so bad one of them was about dogs who could talk and (laughs) and lived in a secret society and then the other one was about a group of mean girls and that one was titled click click boom like c-l-i-q-u-e click like a click of mean girls click click boom and at the end of the book the like head mean girl had some food explode in her face in the cafeteria so that was like the boom part (laughs) they were so cheesy and bad anyways but I would spend my free time like during the summer doing this I just loved writing um I was and am a huge nerd and I'm becoming less and less embarrassed about that the older I get it is so much better and freeing to just be okay with who you are than trying to be what you think other people think is cool. It's just not even worth your time. And people who spend their whole lives trying to be cool, I'm doing air quotes as I say that, cool, they're just unhappy jerks. Like if you're spending your whole life trying to be cool, it's not going to make you happy and you're probably just going to end up being a jerk. So just be yourself and be weird. That's my motto. Kind of a tangent. So let's fast forward to me becoming an actual adult and having to decide what I'm going to do for a living. I graduated high school and I was just so lost and I was just kind of floating around taking general classes to give myself something to do and working towards an associate's degree. And then that happened. I got the associate's degree and I was like, crap, I got to actually pick something now if I'm going to get a bachelor's degree. And I ended up landing on teaching. And the honest truth is that I had fought this idea my entire life because for as long as I can remember, my parents had always told me, you need to be a teacher when you grow up. Like always, they would tell me that. And me being a kid wanted to prove that I was my own person and my parents couldn't tell me what to do. So I would always be like, no, I'm not going to be a teacher. But in the end, I was honest with myself and I realized that it was the only college degree and career that I was even mildly interested in working towards. And I don't regret that choice at all. I absolutely love being a teacher and intend to teach for a very long time. But This whole time, I still had the writing bug. I was still writing here and there and still had the dream of one day becoming an actual published author. I did a lot of research into how to get published traditionally, and I even once had one of my college professors help me do a mock query letter to a publishing company just so I could better learn what it would actually take to get published And what I learned through all of this research and everything was that getting traditionally published is really, really hard. And it's just so many hoops to jump through. And that killed my creativity and passion for it for a while. But then eventually the idea became reignited and I started watching a lot of YouTube videos about writing. And I remember one of the videos saying something along the lines of, you need to write about things that you like and things that you know about. Uh, pfft, sorry, my voice. Again, things that you like and things that you know about. So I kind of took a step back and started thinking about, okay, what do I like? Like if I'm going to read a story, watch a movie, what do I like? And then what are some things that I know about that I could easily write about? And that sparked the idea for what is now my almost complete novel. I have over 50,000 words written and I'm a few chapters shy of finishing it, but I've been a few chapters shy for quite a while. I haven't written anything towards my novel for about eight months now. Over the course of writing this novel, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, joined several author Facebook groups, and done a ton of research. 
I had decided that I was going to bypass traditional publishing and I was going to self-publish through Amazon. But the more YouTube videos I watched and more discussions I was a part of on the author Facebook pages, I realized that a huge part of being a self-published author is also being a marketer. I don't have a marketing or salesman bone in my body. I do not want to be that annoying person trying to push something on you. And if I'm being honest, I don't even care about the money. I, like, it's, it, I'm not looking at this as a job. I just want some readers. I want some readers who enjoy my book. I love reading. I love a great story. And I want to be that and do that for my readers. But that's the thing is I have no readers. <laughs> Nobody knows me as an author. I have no following. I am a far cry from anything resembling an influencer, nor do I want to be that. So how in the heck do I get people to know me as a writer and want to read my book? A YouTube channel? No, not my style. A blog? No again. So I took to the Authors and Writers Facebook groups to ask for advice. And there was a certain woman there who gave me some really great advice about how she gained readers. She told me that before she ever published a book, she submitted works of writings to journals and magazines and got her name out there that way. She told me about some websites where I could submit my writing. So I stopped working on my novel for the time being and I got an account to one of these websites and I started entering short story and flash fiction contests. It was a ton of fun. I did some of my best writing ever, and I learned a lot about the writing industry. But I also learned that there are thousands of people vying for these spots who have writing degrees from Ivy League colleges, and they write much darker and edgier than I do. <laughs> my stuff was a lot more lighthearted and fun than the pieces that were being chosen as winners. I also hated wasting so much time in my life worrying about how much the judges were going to scrutinize me over the formatting. I felt like I was in high school again writing research papers. So I closed the book on entering contests and I wasn't really sure what to do next. Then one day the idea of creating podcast sparked in my head. Recently I've been religiously listening to one, po one podcast called The Bad Broadcast by Maddie Murphy. If you don't listen, please look her up. She is amazing and funny and deserves all of the followers she has and then some. So the idea of the podcast really came from being inspired by Maddie and how she was able to create this following where everyone feels like they're her friend. I love that so much. And if I'm going to find some readers for my writing, that's the way I want to do it. By making genuine connections with people, not trying to sell them a product. So here I am making this very low quality podcast with my Chromebook and cell phone where I get to write and connect with people and just have some creative release. One last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the actual stories is the name of the podcast. M Black is what I've chosen as my author name because it just looks clean and simple and my actual first name, McKenna, is spelled with a Y right smack dab in the middle of it. And people, you guys, people, people just get so hung up and confused by that dang Y. Just one stupid letter. And I didn't want to deal with that as an author. So that's why I just kept it as M, my first initial, M Black, and called my podcast M Black Writes. All right. Let's get into our first story. This story, you guys, I love this story. It is not at all what I expected when I asked the original question on my Instagram, but I love that it is so unexpected. It may not resonate with some of you because if you don't enjoy potty humor... <laughs> You are definitely not going to enjoy this story, but I enjoy it. And I know that there are so many of you out there who enjoy potty humor and you're going to like this. So this story is an elementary crush story. And if you've ever attended any elementary school anywhere on the face of the planet, you know that those bathrooms 
have gross things that happen in them. And then the rumors spread through the kids about the gross things happening in the bathroom. And I just remember being a little kid and hearing these rumors about the gross things happening in the bathroom. And my little kid brain just needed to know if it was true. Like it was so enticing to me, even though I knew it was gross, I needed to know if it was true. And it also just seems like these type of rumors that spread, they're not only rumors, they can become like legend. Let me give you an example. So I'm pretty sure this happened my fifth grade year. And if you went to school with me and you were in my grade, you have probably heard this story so many times, just like I did. The legend is that a boy in my grade peed out a noodle. (laughs) That sounds so stupid. I don't mean he peed through a noodle. Like, I don't mean he's, he was holding a noodle and peed through it. What I mean is that he peed a noodle out of him. Like, a noodle came out of him when he was peeing. I have absolutely no proof that that ever happened. But I have heard that story so many times and I am going to remember that until the day that I die. So that is what I mean about these gross bathroom stories becoming legend. And that is kind of the premise of this. Well, it's not kind of. It is the premise of this story that I'm going to tell you. The story that I wrote sticks pretty true to the original story that was told to me with some embellishments. Of course, I may have created some characters and added some dialogue that was definitely not told to me, but the person who told me this story gave me a lot of good details to work with, and it sticks pretty true to the original sequence of events that happened. And I love it. It's great. So let's get started. The Stink by the Sink, a story inspired by true events written by M. Black. Wilson Marks was my best friend. It didn't matter that he was a boy and I was a girl, to me anyway. To everyone else in the second grade at Winfield Elementary, though, it seemed to matter a whole lot. Ooh, is he your boyfriend? Kids would sneer. He's my friend, and he's a boy. So, yeah, he's my boy friend. I would snap back smugly. A comeback that didn't sound so lame to me back then. But the real truth was that I did like Wilson, and Wilson liked me. We were in like with each other but that was nobody's business. Standing across the playground, I watched Wilson disappear into the tunnel of the red slide, only to reappear again seconds later, hitting the sand with determination, bounding onto the blacktop and making a beeline for me. At this point, I had completely checked out of listening to Lydia, who was listing the names and colors of all of the My Little Ponies in her collection. And then there's Applejack? She's yellow with apples on her? Uh Uh-huh. I gave an obligatory response. Lydia's voice faded into the background. Wilson skidded to a dramatic halt in front of me. His hair was jutting out in chaotic angles, and his eyes were wild with excitement. Somebody threw poop on the walls in the bathroom. What? No way, dude. That's gross. Yeah, (laughs) he laughed. Come on, I'll show you. Ew. Wilson, she doesn't want to see poop. Get out of here. Lydia was a little bit of a wet blanket. I kind of do want to see it, I shrugged. Lydia rolled her eyes. Your boyfriend 
is stupid. With that, she turned and fluttered off to find someone else who cared more about nice, clean My Little Ponies and less about the shockingly nasty prospect of smeared fecal matter. What is it with kids and poop? I followed Wilson inside the school where we were met by the teacher on hall duty. Mrs. Terrence, Wilson trilled. Yes, dear. We need to go to the bathroom. We? Yes, me and Allie. I nodded my head in corroboration. Together? What? Ew, no. She'll go in the girls, and I will go in the boys. Please, we really gotta go. Mrs. Terrence sighed like she had a feeling this was going to come back to bite her. (sighs) Fine, but you better hurry up and do your business and come right back. We scuttled around the corner and out of the eyeline of Mrs. Terrence. Well, are you coming? Wilson questioned. I hovered in the hallway, and he stood in the doorway of the boys' restroom. I didn't realize I was going to have to go in the boys' bathroom, I admitted bashfully. Wilson gave me angry eyebrows. You know, like when you're drawing a picture of a face and you want to make it an angry face, so you draw two slanty lines above the eyes? That's what Wilson looked like. Allie, what did you think? A girl threw her poo everywhere? I don't know. Girls poop. They could also throw it. You just said the bathroom. You didn't say the boy's bathroom. A short, exasperated breath escaped him. Are you coming or not? Mrs. Terrence is going to be here to check on us any second. I heard footsteps clinking on the tile. Feeling like I had no other option, I quickly ducked into the boys' room with Wilson. Immediately, the smell overwhelmed me. I clasped my hands over my nose and mouth. Then I was struck with the eerie unfamiliar of the room I had entered. What in the heck were those weird toilets? They didn't even have seats or stalls. No privacy whatsoever. Boys are animals. Wilson had opted for the pinching his nose between two fingers method to stave off the odor. He whispered a very nasally decree of, There it is! And there it was. A singular clump, sticking to the wall between the sink and the brown paper towel dispenser. It couldn't be mistaken for anything else. It was poop, and someone had the audacity to put it there. Mr. Marks? Mrs. Terrence's voice sliced into the room. You sure have been in there a long time. Are you almost done? Yep, just need to wash my hands. Wilson called as he turned on the faucet full blast and pointedly turned his face to me. His eyebrows were talking again. Only this time, they weren't angry eyebrows saying, how did you not know you had to go into the boys' room? They were concerned eyebrows saying, get the heck out of here before you get caught. Miss Anderson, are you almost finished? A muffled call made its way through the wall that was shared with the girls' room. That's me. Miss Anderson. Allie Anderson. Not in the girls' room like I should be, but in the boys' room. The awful, smelling, filthy, weird boys' room. Quickly, I skidded into the hallway, hoping to sneak by while Mrs. Terrence had her back turned. No such luck. Just as I made my exit, she was there, arms folded, menacingly. Just what do you think you are doing in the boys' restroom, young lady? Wilson appeared then, ready to face the wrath. And you, you lied. I knew you were up to no good. Never in my life, before this moment or after, had an adult given me such a terrifyingly furious lecture about what was appropriate and what was not. In between verbal spouts of fire, Wilson attempted to explain the odd situation to no avail. I doubted going into the bathroom to see poop on the wall was going to be a valid excuse in Mrs. Terrence's book anyhow. Mrs. Terrence sat us down against the wall. We both knew that at any minute the bell would ring and each and every second grade class would file past us. I felt so exposed. 
Word must have gotten around the playground about what had happened, because when the classes eventually did come in, we were met by an onslaught of snickers, kissy faces, and accusations like, What you doing? Smoochin' in the bathroom? I was utterly humiliated. If anything, the day with the poop bonded Wilson and I even further. In the eyes of two eight-year-olds, we had survived a traumatic experience together. He was my best friend and first love. We remained in like with each other for quite some time. That was until Tilly Weber moved into town. I never stood a chance, but I don't think he ever invited her into the boys' bathroom. So me and Wilson Marks will always have that. I know I already said it before, but I just really love this story. I think it is so funny, and I just can imagine myself as this girl. <laughs> I I don't know what it is about bathrooms and little kids, but like they're just so intriguing to you. And I remember that the boys' bathroom especially was really intriguing to me as a kid. And anytime I was somewhere where there was nobody else in the building, I would go into the boys' bathroom because I wanted to know what it was like in there. And you step in and it's so foreign and weird. And that's just how I imagined it as I was writing it. And also, I love the ending um, when all of the classes are coming in from recess and they're so embarrassed because I just remember being an elementary-aged kid and things that probably really weren't that big of a deal felt so huge. And I can just feel that feeling of embarrassment and shame and everybody's looking at you. And I just really love, love, love that story. I think it's so funny. (laughs) Okay, let's get into our next one. So this next story, I definitely took some liberties with. Oh, that's my bacon beeping. I got to go take my bacon out of the oven and then I'll be right back. (laughs) Sorry, I could have edited that out, but that just goes to show you that I'm doing this while I'm doing a million other things. And I feel like you guys can probably relate because aren't we all just so busy these days? (laughs) Anyways, like I said, I took some liberties with this next story. Most of the responses that I got were about middle school. That's probably because middle school is just such an influential time in our lives. And the topic was young love bloopers. And that's when these things happen. Middle school, we're all hitting puberty. We're all starting to like each other and wanting to kiss and hold hands and just weird crap happens. So I got a lot of responses about that. And what I did is I took these middle school responses and I mashed them all together into one story. All the ones that would work together, I put together. The reason that I did this was because I got one response that I thought was so funny. It was about this boy stealing something from his parents to give to a girl for Valentine's Day, and I thought that was so hilarious. And then, like 15 minutes later, I got another response from this girl saying that, whoa, sorry, I like had a frog in my throat for a second. I promise I don't have COVID. (laughs) Of course, I had to freaking bring up COVID. Aren't we all just so sick of talking about it? Anyways, I got another response from a girl saying that she stole something from her parents to give to her boyfriend for Valentine's Day. So it was like the same thing, except for a guy did it and a girl did it. So that gave me the inspiration to add those two stories together. And then I just pulled in all of the other responses that would work within the story and I mashed them all together. And it's kind of just one big collaborative middle school cringy crush story And I think it turned out pretty good. Let's get started. Kiss, kiss, and don't tell my mom. A story inspired by true events. Written by M. Black. 
Michael. Sometimes you think you have a great idea. It sparks in your head, and you build upon it with more and more rapid thoughts in succession. Then you have more than an idea. You have a plan. Not just a plan, but a foolproof plan. One that is going to get you everything you have ever wanted, and then some. You don't realize at the time that you are being delusional. You don't realize that your so-called great idea was actually a pretty terrible one, and the subsequent half-baked plot to achieve ultimate happiness was downright ridiculous all along. This is the story of a 7th grade boy and his harebrained attempt at getting the girl. That boy was me, Michael Quimbley. Jane I don't know if there is an antonym for the word reminisce, but if I did know it, I would use it to describe the way in which I recall most of my middle school memories. There are many things that I did and said during my time at Forest Green Middle School that cause a very uncomfortable sensation in my stomach when I think about them. But here I am, doing the opposite of reminiscing over one such memory from February 2002. Michael I like to blame my ultimate blunder on one certain commercial. I clearly remember laying on my stomach on the living room floor with a textbook and a notebook spread out in front of me, trying to make sense of the absolute conundrum that was pre-algebra. I pushed the book away and groaned with defeat as I got up from the floor and flopped onto the couch. On the TV screen, I saw a man riding a snowmobile. On the back was a ridiculously oversized teddy bear. He zoomed up to a cozy-looking cabin with smoke billowing from the chimney. With the enormous bear in his arms, he knocked on the cabin door, and a woman, who I presumed to be his girlfriend, answered. She smiled and immediately gave him a hug. I imagined myself as this man, gifting such an astonishing teddy bear to my girlfriend, who couldn't help but wrap me in her arms. In my fantasy, my girlfriend is who it always was. Jane Davies. Although... That couldn't be further from the truth. Jane already had a boyfriend. Colin Gable. Jane. It was February 2nd. I sat at the lunch table, picking at my grilled cheese and tossing bits of it into my tomato soup as all of my friends gabbed about what they bought or were going to buy as Valentine's Day presents for their boyfriends. What about you, Jane? What did you get for Colin? Colin was my boyfriend. Although I didn't realize it at the time, the term boyfriend was used loosely. We almost never spoke face to face, although we did email each other whenever we were in keyboarding class, and I sometimes passed notes on to my friends, who then passed them on to his friends, who got them to him, and vice versa. Once, the week before Christmas break, the school had a huge movie party in the gym. We watched Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and Colin and I held hands in the back corner of the gym where none of the teachers could see us. It was sweaty, but exciting. Colin was really cute. Uh, nothing yet. I'm going to get him something soon, though, I replied to my friend's eager questioning. That was a lie. There was no way in H-E double hockey sticks that my parents were going to let me buy something for Colin. As far as they were concerned, I had no boyfriend. If they knew that I did, I would be in massive trouble. I had to keep them in the dark. Michael. I was still watching the commercial when a surprising turn of events happened. Another man appeared on the screen and handed the woman a regular-sized teddy bear and then another. The Hallmark Kiss Kiss Bears with magnetic lips. Right now, buy one for $3.99, get the second one free when you buy three Hallmark cards. Watching the faces of those two bears magnetized together is what hatched the idea for the worst scheme I've ever pulled. I was going to give Jane Davies Hallmark Kiss Kiss Bears. I would be accepted into the cabin in a loving embrace, and stupid Colin Gable would be left out in the cold with a pile of snow dropping off the roof and onto his head as the door slammed in his face. Jane. It was now February 12th, crunch time. Two days to Valentine's Day and I had nothing to give Colin except for a pair of oversized wooden dice that I had made in shop class. I was getting desperate. 
which is what brought me to be rummaging through my parents' bedroom closet. My mom kept all of her gift wrapping supplies in a bin next to her shoes. I was searching for anything that could pass as Valentine-themed. What I came up with was a silver metallic bag and two balloons, one red and one white. I plopped the dice into the bag where they sat at the bottom, not taking up enough space and looking pathetic. Michael. Christmas had come and gone. When I had asked my mom if I could have a bit of money to buy my friend's Christmas gifts, she replied with, Honey, I'm sorry, but there's just no bit of money to give. I will make your friend some honey candy, just like I do every year. My dreams of winning Jane over with the Kiss Kiss Bears had been put on the back burner. It would have been okay, except for I had been put through the excruciating pain of watching Jane hold hands with Colin during the school Christmas movie. Needless to say, I entered Christmas break in low spirits. Then came Christmas morning. Jane I swear to you it was not my intention to steal when I snuck into my parents' room. I was there solely for gift-wrapping purposes. But then, there it was, sitting on the shelf. It may as well have been illuminated, gleaming, and calling my name, begging me to take it. I picked it up. Green, yellow, sleek, smooth, shiny, a subway gift card. Just what my underwhelming Valentine's Day present needed. Flipping it over revealed that it was loaded with a whole ten bucks. I imagined sliding into a corner booth with Colin during our lunch break. He had just purchased a foot-long drink, chips, and a cookie using the gift card. We would go back to school with our clothes permeated with that overwhelming herbs and spices smell, and everyone would know that we had been at Subway together. I stuffed the gift card into the bag and fled the room. Michael, shock, awe, resentment, and then, as I watched the happy Christmas morning scene unfold, I immediately began plotting. My mom hugged my dad, thanked him for the gift, and the pair giggled over the two bears clinking together. I didn't want to do it but I had to. I was going to steal my mom's Hallmark Kiss Kiss Bears and give them to Jane Davies. Jane, today was the day, Valentine's Day. I gripped the string of the gift bag a bit too tightly as I made my way through the school. The plan was to stuff the bag into my own locker before anyone saw it. Then, in the five minutes between science and reading, a friend of Collins would meet me at his locker and open it so I could make the drop. I made it to my own locker without meeting anyone else along the way. My nervous fingers fumbled with the combination lock. Spinning the dial too far, I had to start completely over. You would think that by seventh grade, some muscle memory would have kicked in. Finally, the latch opened. I swung the red metal door open to reveal a pleasant surprise inside. A warm rush of bashfulness spread across my body. Sitting on top of my textbooks was a delightful pair of Hallmark Kiss Kiss Bears. Oh, Colin! Michael, come on, man. Help me out. You can stand right here and watch me. I'm not stealing anything. I'm leaving a gift. It seemed that the custodian didn't have a romantic bone in his body. I don't understand why you can't just give it to her. I groaned and covered my face with my hands. Have you never been to middle school? I can't just give it to her. I'm not sure if he was sympathetic to my plight or was simply tired of my antics, but he gave in and opened Jane's locker for me. After several seconds of dramatic gratitude directed towards the poor man who was just trying to do his morning rounds, I lovingly placed the kiss-kiss bears inside and fled the scene of the crime. Jane, Quimbley, Michael freaking Quimbley, of course. I raged under my breath and crumpled up the note with Quimbley's chicken scratch all over it. It was no secret to anyone that I was the object of Michael's desires. It filled me with pure, unbridled annoyance. I had been pining over the thought of being gifted Hallmark Kiss Kiss Bears for months, but not from Michael. 
I tossed the bears back into the dark depths of my locker and then stashed my gift for Colin in their place. Michael, Mom, no. Please, for the love of all things holy, no. Michael, I'm simply going to find this girl and explain to her what happened. You cannot do that to me. Oh, honey, relax. She'll understand. She's nice, right? That's why you like her, isn't it? Mom, really? I'm begging you not to do this. Well, bud, you should have thought about this before you stole from me. Those bears weren't yours to give. And with that, I watched as my mom descended into the cafeteria on a quest to find Jane Davies and ruin my life forever. Jane. By lunchtime, I had forgotten all about the bears. I couldn't wait to see Colin for the first time that day. My friends and I had all planned to sit right next to our boyfriends at lunch for the special occasion. It would be just like a date. Colin wasn't here yet, but I set my tray at the table and left space for him. Hey, he said gruffly as he wriggled his legs under the tabletop and onto the bench seat. Hi, happy Valentine's Day, I squeaked. Yeah, <laughs> he smirked. You do. We didn't talk much during lunch. It wasn't shaping up to be the romantic rendezvous I had imagined. He mostly just talked to all of the other guys at his table. Then finally, he turned to me. My stomach dropped. Hey, Jane, you want to hear a secret? Yeah, sure, I breathed. He then proceeded to rise from his seat, angle his butt towards me, and emit a viciously loud fart. Dumbfounded, I had no clue how to respond. Luckily, it was mere seconds before someone else responded for me. That was gross, and she's way out of your league, a woman who had mysteriously appeared stated matter-of-factly. Jane, could you come with me for a minute? Looking for any excuse to get myself out of this situation, I agreed and followed the strange woman out of the cafeteria and into the hallway. Sweetie, I'm Michael's mom. Michael freaking Quimbley. I think he gave you something as a gift today that was actually a gift for me from my husband. The Kiss Kiss Bears? Yes, would you mind getting them out of your locker for me? Sure. Where's Michael? Oh, he's probably off hiding somewhere with his tail between his legs. Michael, I pleaded with my mom to check me out of school and take me home for the rest of the day, but she refused. Luckily, I had no other classes with Jane. By the time the end of school bell rang, I was completely overrun with anxiety. I flipped my hood up and rushed out the door. Michael, hey, Michael, Quimbley, wait up. I stood frozen in my tracks. The Jane Davies was calling my name, Michael Quimbley. And boy, did it sound sweet. She trotted up to me and thrust a mangled bag with two balloons taped to it in my direction. Here, I stole this from my mom too. Well, not the dice. I made those in shop, but the other thing. I peered into the bag. Just beneath one of the wooden dice was a gift card. I pulled it out. Subway? Yeah. You like Subway? Yeah, I do. Cool. Jane looked down at her sneakers. Do you want to go with me to Subway? <laughs> no. <laughs> Denied Michael Quimbley. Denied. <laughs> When I was writing this story and I was coming up with the character of Michael, I was like, okay, what's like the most annoying sounding name I can come up with? And that's what I came up with was Michael Quimbley. And no offense to anybody named Mike or Michael or any variation of that. That's not the part of it that's annoying. It's more the Quimbley part or maybe like the combination of the two. <laughs> but... I kind of want to get a t-shirt that says Michael freaking Quimbley because I just, I don't know, it's, it's funny. Um, but I'm just now realizing, and I don't know how I am just barely realizing this, but this story also had some potty humor when the boyfriend, Colin Gable, farts on her, which I did not 
make that up. That was an actual submission to me. It was just a short and sweet submission. Somebody said their eighth grade boyfriend used to fart on them all the time. So I added that into the story. (laughs) Oh, middle school is great. Um, Anyways, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, potty humor. So the first story had potty humor. This one has a little bit. And the next one also does. So I don't know that everything just kind of took a weird turn in that direction. (laughs) But I promise you future episodes of this podcast will not focus on bodily functions. But this one just is for some reason. (laughs) And that's that, I guess. All right, we've got one last story. If you're still here, thank you for sticking with me this long. This last story is my own personal story. I figured if I'm going to be putting all these stories out there, I should probably do one of my own too. And I'm just going to own it and tell you that this story is true, really happened. It was so embarrassing at the time. Now I just think it's funny. It still is embarrassing, but it's it's just a funny story now. Um, but if you went to high school with me, it's really not going to be hard for you to figure out who the boyfriend is in this story. I don't name names. Like, I don't give him a name. But, I mean, I only ever dated two people and I married one of them. <laughs> so, it's not going to be hard to know who it is. But this story is not embarrassing for him at all. It's embarrassing for me and it kind of makes fun of my little sisters a little bit too. Um, But I tried to remember as much about this as I could and add as many little details in as I could. So like the movie that we watched is really truly the movie that we watched. And I used to be so obsessed with that movie. You guys, I haven't watched it in years, but it's embarrassing how obsessed I was with that movie. Also, I talk about the perfume I was wearing and I used to basically bathe in that scent and anyways so I tried to keep it as true as I can where with the other stories I just kind of took what the people said and went off and made up a lot of stuff but this one is as close as I could get it from my memories and I hope you guys enjoy it Just one more thing that I wanted to add to before I start the story. This story does involve talk about periods. And I don't imagine that I really have a lot of guys listening to this. But if you're a guy and you're listening to this and you're like, gross, period, like just get over yourself. Okay, bye. Skid Marks and the Broken Bowl, a short autobiographical story written by M. Black. Tonight was the night. It was finally happening. My parents were letting me invite my boyfriend over to watch a movie with me. Alone. Well, kind of alone. My family would all be there, of course, but my parents promised that they would stay in their room, only checking on us periodically and my two little sisters were to be banished to their own bedroom. Everything was set. Popcorn and drinks were ready, and I had picked out the perfect movie, Step Up to the Streets. I spritzed on one more spray of Bath and Body Works Twilight Woods body spray and anxiously awaited the doorbell. When's he coming? asked one little sister. Soon. Are you going to kiss him? inquired another. Stop, I said aggressively. Just go to your room before he gets here. Mom, she's being mean already. She says we can't even see him. A quick lecture from Mom told me that I had to let everyone greet our guest when he arrived. Otherwise, the deal was off. Fine, I begrudgingly complied. The doorbell chimed, and the two little girls were off, sprinting around the corner and towards the door. No, I get to answer it. Back off, I screeched, tearing after them. Mom called them back, and with scowls on their faces, they retreated to the family room. Hi. Hey. Awkward giggles were exchanged as I led him into the family room. My parents both offered uncomfortable greetings to the boy, and then, like the vultures that they were, 
the little girls descended with questions, performances, and anecdotal stories that seemed to have no rhyme or reason other than give me attention. Then the youngest of the two uttered the infamous and mortifying words that can never be unsaid. McKenna has brown streaks in her underwear. Holy crap. Holy crap. That did not just happen. Immediately, I turned to rage. No, I don't, you weirdo. Why would you even say that? Shut up and get out of here. I pushed her for good measure. This only seemed to encourage her, and with a maniacal laugh, she continued, Uh-huh. Yes, you do. You leave them on the bathroom floor, and I see them all the time. Mom, get her out! The little girls were shooed away to their room, and my parents retreated to their own. I set the heaping bowl of popcorn on the coffee table, popped the DVD in, and took my place on the couch under my boyfriend's ready arm. I was uncomfortable. I knew what he was thinking. He was thinking that I leave skid marks in my underwear. He was thinking that I'm dirty and smelly and I don't even know how to wipe. But what he didn't get, and what the little girls didn't get, was that they weren't skid marks at all. They were period stains. But that was not such a simple explanation. So here I was, stuck between a bacon strip and Aunt Flo's messy tracks, which was the lesser of two dirty laundries. I stewed over the humiliation for the entire first half of the movie, when out of the corner of my eye, I spotted the older of the two littles attempting an army crawl down the hallway. Go back, I mouthed, silently but seething. Using a variety of hand gestures, she gave an excuse that I didn't comprehend and continued to slither across the floor. I chose to ignore her. My boyfriend chuckled. Over the next five minutes, she managed to make her way across the house, into the kitchen, and up onto the counter directly behind the couch. I willed myself not to turn around and look at her. The jarring sound sliced through the room. I stood up and flipped around to find my sister standing on the counter in front of a gaping cabinet door. She was staring down at the hundreds of little pieces of pink ceramic scattered all across the tile. I just needed a bowl. In the end, I was grateful for that shattered bowl. When it broke, so did the tension in the room. Although, I never did explain the thing about my underwear. To this day, he probably thinks I leave skid marks in my pants. Hot. Okay, so that actually is more embarrassing than I was thinking it was. When I was recording it, I was like, wait, this really is embarrassing. I am embarrassed still, but <laughs> you know what? Whatever. I am putting it out there on the internet. It's happening. I have no shame. Thanks for listening to my very first episode of M Black Rights. I'm going to do another episode next month if you'd like to submit something to be featured in one of the stories on the next episode. You can watch my Instagram. I'm going to post a question there that will be the next topic for the next episode. And thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is M Black Writes, a podcast for people who love stories. And I'm your host, M Black. 